Hi everyone, welcome back welcome to back. Movie Bluffs. We're here, I have a new microphone, it's a new day. So a week has passed. It is still the great and holy month of October. Which means that it is only fair and right to mm-hmm. be discussing Halloween movies. Because Scary ones. from the start of October, here's how the seasons work for me. October 1st through the 31st, Halloween. Just one big mm-hmm. Halloween. November 1st through January 1st, Christmas. Okay. And that's it. And then what? So right now what's we're, after that? we're in purgatory. Okay. And then it's yeah. my birthday and Easter. Sometimes on the same day. This year they were on the same day. Sometimes not. And then more purgatory. But purgatory at the beach. And then it's nice. Halloween again. <laughs> and then it's Halloween again. Scary movies are a, a lot for me. Mm. Um, I don't watch them. Mm-hmm. Uh, unless they're, like, funny. Mm-hmm. Unless they're, like, subverting something. Mm. Not in, like, a pretentious way, but in a funny way. Sure. Um, and I think the movie that Sarah, that you watched this week, I, I think that counts. You know, I would hardly call it scary. <laughs> but I would say it subverts. In a sense, it tries to be a satire of the original series, in my humble, unbiased opinion, having never watched the original series and knowing a little bit about it. But, uh, you know, we can pretend it's scary and we can, you know what? No, it is a little frightening because they thought what they were doing was supposed to be scary, but it wasn't. And that's the real scary thing, isn't it? That's a really good take. Mm. Uh, we're talking, of course, about Scooby-Doo, the first live-action movie that came out. 2002. There it is. So I watched this movie several times throughout my youth. I was not allowed to watch Cartoon Network or any of the Hanna-Barbera type things. Um, and so I didn't really watch the Scooby-Doo cartoon growing up, but I did watch the movies um, in at various parties and such. And so Sarah has watched this movie. I have. I grew up in a house with just me and my sister and my mother and my father. My father was an adult man, so he didn't watch Scooby-Doo. <laughs> so I never really watched it growing up. So I watched the movie and um, I have some thoughts. I have some opinions. Mostly concerning why Scooby-Doo looks the way he does. And also... It's a dreadful design. It's a horrible design. In an era where CGI was definitely doing better than this movie, what did? Mm-hmm. Like, like we had Lord of the Rings, and like Who Framed Roger Rabbit, and like several other movies that the CGI was so. And much... they all came out in the same. Yeah, time. in like the late '90s, early 2000s. And then this this movie comes mm-hmm. along, and it's like, hello. And Scooby Doo's <laughs> like, I'm a cardboard cutout doll. Yeah. My re- every reference I make is farting and weed. <laughs> mm-hmm. It was very kid-oriented. Mm-hmm. Scooby-Doo opens, and this is my segue into explaining to the audience mm-hmm. my recollection of the plot yes. of the movie, as we do every episode. As we do. Scooby-Doo opens with the mystery gang, Fred, Daphne, Shaggy, Velma, and Scooby-Doo, all solving mysteries together. They're in this abandoned building. There's a freaky floating ghost clown thing. Mm-hmm. They unmask it as another old rich white guy who just wanted to evade his taxes. 
then something happens and the group breaks up because they had some infighting, which is normal. Every teenage mystery-solving club team goes through this. It's right. it's not new. And then it's like a fast-forward, several months or years go by, and someone is trying to get the gang back together. I should clarify, I think there's like another scene where they're traveling around with Scrappy-Doo, and they kick him out of the car. Yes. Scrappy-Doo being the smaller version of Scooby-Doo. But who, who's uh, sentient. He can yes. speak full, full English. He can speak totally normal. Uh, and they kick him out of the car because he pees. Anyway, that'll come back later. So they kick Scrappy-Doo out. The gang breaks up. And someone's trying to get the gang back together. Because, you know, no mysteries have been solved in the time that the mystery crew has been departed. Right. So... They all meet at an airport, and they're like, you got invited to this thing, too? And it's like, whoa, crazy. We're all sitting on the same seats on the plane. Um, there was a little bit of, of a dilemma because they were like, we're not going to let a dog on the plane. And so Scooby-Doo dresses up as an old woman mm -hmm. um, in a very convincing outfit. Uh, Fred hits on her because this is the early 2000s. Had me fooled. And they get to the island. It's supposed to be like this this teen paradise where all the teens are hanging out and there's no rules. You can smoke, you can drink, you can party and dance. And it's there's no rules. But it's also called like Demon Island or some shit. <laughs> yeah. But who cares? It's a, it's a teen paradise. We can get drunk um, without our parents knowing. <laughs> exactly. And so the gang is like, we're a little sus of this, but also let's just hang out. Let's have a good time. Let's party it out. And so they do for a while. And then someone notices something's up and the gang is like, gang, we got to get back together and solve the mystery of what the fuck is going on here. Because clearly, you know, something's, something's tainting the water supply. Something's causing these kids and these teens to go haywire and act weird. Mm -hmm. And there are monsters afoot and all that. And Daphne's like, no, I'm just trying to have fun. And Velma's like, no, I'm just trying to have fun. They're all just like, I'm just trying to have fun. But then eventually they kind of run into each other. And I think it's Velma who finds the clues and rescues Daphne from an, a scary man. And then Shaggy is like, I'm just going to eat snacks with my buddy Scoob. And then Fred is like, what's up, dog? to Scooby-Doo, because that's a, a funny joke. Because mm -hmm. Get it? Because he's a dog. He's he a called dog. him dog. Anyway, they all discover the secret of the island, which is there's something stealing people's souls out of their physical bodies. Mm -hmm. And they're all going into this volcano or whatever. And Shaggy's like, like, dude, that's so scary. <laughs> and then he like reaches into the... He reaches into the pool of souls because apparently you can just grab a soul and throw right. it. And he just starts throwing. So I, I think the whole gang has been, their souls have been sucked out. I don't know what happens to the bodies. But anyway, they find the souls and they're like, I'm going to start throwing these souls back into their bodies. But the whole gang gets their bodies swapped because like it's the early 2000s. So that's going to happen. It's a classic movie trope. And so, like, Velma and Fred and Daphne and Shaggy all get swip-swapped around, and they're like, ha, ha I'm a dude, or ha, ha I'm a chick. And it's like, okay, get over it. Uh, there's a mystery to solve. They eventually solve the mystery, which is that Mr. Bean was actually <laughs> a robot suit designed by Scrappy-Doo, uh -huh. who orchestrated the entire island just to get revenge on the gang for kicking him out. He, Scrappy-Doo, absorbs all of the souls, becomes a demon god, uh -huh. um, and fully goes apeshit, and then they win somehow. 
And literally every single piece of Scooby-Doo media after this point references this event as canonical. And Scrappy-Doo has not appeared in any media since because of this. Um, That's more of a meta thing. That's obviously not part of the movie. But the director of this movie said the reason they made Scrappy-Doo the villain was because he hated Scrappy-Doo in the cartoon so much. And he See, is I did not fully know that. irredeemable That's because so... of this movie. <laughs> they made I him a demon don't... god, and so they yeah. could bring him back if they rebooted the series, Ugh. which Boomerang ended up doing. <laughs> So that's, I don't remember like the ending ending. I just remember Scrappy-Doo absorbs all the souls, turns red and huge and angry. And then they fight and then they're like, well, we did it, gang. Let's go make another movie. That's pretty much it. I mean, you you hit all of the points of the movie. There's some random like stuff in there that is not really super relevant, but you really, this is like, you good job. <laughs> Because movies like this don't stick in my brain for very long, especially when I watch them as a, as a child. So good for you. Mm. So the members of Mystery Incorporated, Daphne, Fred, Velma, Shaggy, Scooby. The Yeah, it, it opens with them in this weird warehouse. There's a spooky weird clown thing that looks like it should be in Ghostbusters. And then it ends up being Mr. White Tax Fraud Man, Mr. Donald Trump. Oh, man, you, you did it again. And so they rip the mask off and it's like an old white man and... And they're like, yeah, we're doing it. But you're right. There's infighting. Fred, Velma, and Daphne just keep fighting. And Shaggy and Scooby are like, oh, yeah. Yoinks, Scoob, I just want to get stoned every day and eat dog treats. Because that's what they do. And so um, Fred, Daphne, and Velma basically are like, we're done. We're going our separate ways. Two years pass. Two full years. And um, Shaggy and Scooby are like, oh, man, this, this, this shit sucks. All I have being shaggy because he's a human being and scooby cannot get a job for he is a dog although in this world scooby could probably get a a job he would probably be okay but for where we are right now uh they live out of his van there's like a scene where he's they're very clearly like getting so high shaggy is making munchies he's making like like tacos or something like on a hot plate and then they live on like in la like they live in like malibu on the beach and uh, the skater dude comes up and he's like, man, I got a mystery for you. Mr. Bean owns this island and Mr. Bean. <laughs> well, he says the man's name. And I wrote it down because it was so ridiculous. His name is Emil Mondavarius is, the, is Mr. Bean's name. And I was like, whoa, that sounds like a scary man. And, uh, and I was like, this, this is going to be like some great scary looking actor before we get there so uh, uh shaggy's like yeah oh my god man like we have to get the, the gang back together so he secretly books all their flights they all show up at the same day and he's like well that's so crazy man that is so crazy wow and then uh scooby who looks horrible and terrible he looks like an awful scary cgi version of a man dressed as a dog um it's quite frightening he has muscles and a humanoid face but ears it's like if a Great Dane was crossed with a human, and I hate it. And I hate it. I didn't like it. And then he dresses up as an old woman, and Fred's like, hey, sexy. And he's like, yo, I'm a dog with a penis. <laughs> I'm a dog. <laughs> Gross. And Fred's like, zoinks, that's disgusting. But I'm into it, because he's Fred, and he's kind of gross. So they all get on the plane, headed to uh, Spooky Island. Hang on, I have that written down as well. Spooky Island. Is the name of the island. It's named Spooky Island. on the nose. 
It's a little on the <laughs> little nose. A little bit too, yeah. A little bit, um, little sus for me. I'll say it. If I was a teen and I was going on vacation, like, you know how everyone goes to, like, Cancun for, like, senior spring break? Mm-hmm. Everyone being the rich white kids who I went to school with. Of course. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, go to Cancun for spring break just so they can get trashed because it's mm-hmm. you can drink at 18 there. If I'll say it. If Cancun was named Spooky Island, I don't think a margarita would be worth it. I just don't. What if you were invited for free? Then it'd be worth it. What if Mr. Bean said, hey, any teen who wants to drink, if Mr. come to my Bean... Spooky Island. It's called <laughs> Spooky Island. I cannot repeat this enough. Spooky it is Spooky Island. Island. And Spooky but... Island is like the Cedar Point of Mexico. Like there's like a band. It's like an abandoned amusement park. Like there's like rides to ride. There's a tiki bar. There's a beach. There's like a club. There is like a, there's like museums and like stuff. Like it's it's it is really truly every single place that it's it's Disney World, but it's called Spooky Island, and Mr. Bean runs it. <laughs> and also demons are there. Spooky Island. Yeah. Yeah. So so they're all like, we're going to Spooky Island. Uh, this is such a minor plot point, but on the, the plane, um, Shaggy meets the love of his life. She is uh, a beautiful young woman. She's a vegetarian. Um, she eats Scooby Snacks because they're vegetarian. And she likes uh, Scooby Snacks are dog treats. And she likes the way they taste. And c- can you guess her name? Is it Mary Jane? It's Mary Jane! <laughs> they named his... The love of the writers were like, ha ha, weed jokes. They're so funny. <laughs> I feel like this. I feel like this movie was gonna be R-rated, and then they were like, don't tone it down. They were like, well, we gotta fit some weed jokes in. They were like, let's give her a realistic name. Her name can't be Ganja. Her name can't be Laganja Estranja. It's Mary Jane now. Laganja Estranja is like Scooby Doo. Let's get sickening. <laughs> that's a drag queen reference. That's a that's a. Season six, RuPaul's Drag Race reference for anyone who's a drag fan who's listening. So they all get to the island and they meet Emile Mondavarius, who, again, like I said earlier, when I hear a name like that, I'm expecting a very tall, intimidating, spooky man. And then Mr. Bean with a grown-out fro walks down the boardwalk. It's Mr. Bean. Like, the I don't remember, I don't, off the top of my head, I can't remember the comedian's name who plays Mr. Bean, but he is literally, like, one of the most iconic comedians because of Mr. He is Mr. Bean. That's his only thing he's known for, is Mr. Bean. <laughs> and all of a sudden, they were like, yo, Mr. Bean, we want you to be in a movie where you're not really funny and you're not Mr. Bean. Can you do it? And they were like, he was like, what's the check? And Cartoon Network was like, and he was like, oh, God, I will do it. <laughs> So Mr. Bean is like, yo, Mystery Gang, I'm so glad you're here. I've heard so much about you. And they're like, man. Fred is like, I just wanted to get drunk and I wanted to go to Daphne's room with her. And Velma's like, man, I just wanted to get drunk and go to Daphne's room with her. Damn it. But, you know, they're there to solve a mystery. So Mr. Bean is like, everyone is getting possessed here, man. These teenagers are far too calm. They're not drunk enough. I haven't had one case of STDs yet. Oh, it's an issue. Clearly something is afoot. And he's like, we need you to solve it. I think demons are possessing these teenagers. And everyone's like, whoa, that's so crazy. I guess we'll get started soon. So they um, hang on the island and then they start to get down to business and look for clues as they do. So the first stop they do is they go into this abandoned like roller coaster, which comes to life, of course, 
And then the whole the whole roller coaster is like frightening. And like the amount of money that went into the set design of this movie is like exponential. But there's just so much going on. Like there is a moving part in every section of the scene you look at. There's like cobwebs everywhere. It's just so overdesigned and it's like too much. So it comes to life and it's just like a nightmare to watch because it's just like overly stimulating. They split up. So Scooby and Shaggy are off by themselves, obviously. Um, Daphne is alone because tropes. And then uh, Fred and Velma go off. Fred and Velma get caught in like the section of the roller coaster that's got swinging axes um, and knives. And uh, so they're in there. Daphne's just, she's searching about. And then um, Scooby and Shaggy get caught in like a kitchen, like off space area of the ride. Um, Scooby and Shaggy then commence in a farting and burping scene that is super irrelevant. It makes no sense um, and is stupid and annoying. Daphne's still hunting for clues. Fred and Velma are getting swung at by axes and then Fred gets like, he has a book and he almost gets chopped in half by an axe, but the book saves him. And he goes flying through a window. You can't tell it's a window, one of those ones. And he crashes through it and then he ends up in this room that has got TV monitors and it's teaching, the TV monitors have lessons on them on how human beings function. Like how human interaction works, how to be a, like a human teenager. And like the thing on the screen is like, what if someone comes up to you, a part, you at a party and knocks your drink on you by accident? And the one scene is like a demon as this child, but you can't tell. And they like crush the glass and like freak out and like go to kill the guy who spilled his drink on him. And then the other one is like, here's how a human would act. And this like frat boy white dude in this video is like, no, dude, that like that's totally fine. Like that's not sus at all. Like you are totally rad, sick, nasty, and you know what? I will see you on the half pipe later this afternoon. Like hang loose, dude. And like that's the lingo they use. So friend Daphne are like, whoa, no one talks like that. Even though it's 2002, no one talks like that. So something is sus. And then. They get possessed. Yes. Oh, no. And then Daphne ends up getting snatched. All of a sudden, demons break loose, right? There's, like, some weird in-between scenes that don't matter. And then all of a sudden, demons break loose. And they look to me like if you took, like, you know Professor Lupin from the Harry Potter series? You know how he turns into a creepy naked werewolf? Mm, uh Okay, so take his naked werewolf body. I won't. And take the... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and take the Five Nights at Freddy's stuffed animal rabbit head and combine okay. combine those two in your brain. Oh, that's so creepy. That's what they are. And I watched it Yikes. and I went, Five Nights at Freddy's meets Harry Potter. Like, I audibly said that out loud. Um, wow. So very ahead of its time. <laughs> so these, it's, it just is one demon. It looks like that. that. Like, Professor Lupin was wearing a Five Nights at Freddy's costume at midnight when he's a werewolf. They break loose and they steal Daphne. So Velma snatches Daphne. Velma gets her soul stolen. Fred gets his soul stolen, and their souls go into this little soul pool, and the demons take over their body. Very get out, but not important at all. So they get their souls stolen, and the demons take over their bodies. Very a la Jordan Peele. Scooby and Shaggy are still, like, shitting their pants in this ride. Like, they're like, well, we gotta figure this out. So them, uh, they and Daphne um, head into this weird cave, and then they find all the souls, and then they grab uh, Fred and Velma, and they're like, here's your souls back, homies. And then in and amongst switching souls, all their bodies get switched, or all their souls get switched around their bodies. And then Fred is like, yo, I'm going to go look at my titties because I'm Daphne. 
And then Velma's like, yo, I'm going to go look at her titties also because I'm Velma, but I just want to join. <laughs> and so there's some like weird kind of like jokes like that. And then they get their souls back and then they're like, this is crazy. This is crazy, crazy, crazy. And then comes Big Demon in the costume. Big Demon Man is like ready here to here to hit. And like you said, they like take him down. They rip the big, face off. Big Demon Man who? Who is Big Demon? Like Scrappy-Doo in his costume. Oh, the Mr. Bean costume? Yeah, yeah. But like Big Demon Man. Yeah, Mr. Bean. So Mr. Bean's like, you can't do that. Uh, I'm Big Demon Man. You can't do that to me. And then they're like, Mr. Bean, we know you're just a secretly a white man under in a white man costume. So they rip Mr. Bean's face and it's it's a it's a robot. Whoa. And then they're like, Scrappy-Doo, because as you said, there is a scene in the beginning of the movie where they are all driving in their van two years prior to breaking up. And Scrappy-Doo is like being an asshole. And then he pisses on Daphne. He just, like, pisses on her. And then they're like, bye, get out. Which is, like, okay, presumably he's a child, right? He's, like, super annoying and terrible, but he's a child. And Scooby-Doo is his caretaker. That's, like, his foster dad. And they kick this poor baby out on the side of the road. I mean, for pissing on Daphne, fair enough. But, like, I don't think it warranted being left in... They were driving in a desert. And he was left in the middle of a desert. They, like, kicked this poor puppy, who looks very cute CGI, by the way. I liked him as CGI. I hated Scooby-Doo, and, but I really liked Scrappy-Doo. Don't know why. Maybe it's something deep within my psyche. So they kick him out, and he's like, man, I'm going to get revenge. Ah, I'm Scrappy-Doo. Let me just piss on the side of the road again, because I just pissed on Daphne. <laughs> like, ew. So he's like, I was going to get revenge. And then, like you said, he turns into a huge big demon. And they have, like, he gets, like, frightening. And, like, he's, like, a demon god. And he goes to take them down to get revenge. So uh, they defeat Scrappy. And all of the evil minions get arrested and locked up. And that's the, that's the end of the movie. And the gang's like, we're going to keep solving mysteries. Huh? And that's it. It's such a... Just a bizarre take on a classic franchise. It really is. Like, there's just so many, like, jokes that didn't need to be there. And, like, so many attempts to be, like, trendy and, like, on brand with, like, mm-hmm. kids around mm-hmm. our age. Like, teens, like, early oh, yeah. 20s. And I just, I mean, I was three years old when this movie came out. However, I know what a teenager is like. Being a teenager is like, I was that not too long ago. I would not have liked this as a teen. I don't like this now. As a young, as a 21-year-old, barely not a teenager. I don't like it now. I wouldn't have liked it then. It's very much a product of its time. It very much Um, is. And I was reading a lot of the reviews on it, too, after I watched it, as I like to do. And everyone was like, this is not good. Because they they try and satirize all of the parts of the original series that I think a lot of people like. And they don't do a good job at it either. No. So. I agree. I think it's interesting when when you try to do comedy, like, based on an existing trope, mm-hmm. you know, I feel like making fun of that trope, like, that gets old really quick. Yeah. And I think that's what this movie did. I agree. And why are we making fun of a trope that made millions of dollars? Yeah. I think if they had just committed to... Yes, we know it's stupid, but we're not going to have our characters look at the camera and say it's stupid. We're just going to commit to it. It probably would have been better, even with the creepy CGI stuff. Right. 
It's like Ghostbusters. It's like no one thinks that this is like everyone is in on the joke and they know it's bad and they know it's kind of silly, especially the reboot. You know, the Ghostbusters reboot could have like taken it and been like, ha, slime ghosts, ha, ha, the Michelin man. Do you know what I mean? But they were like, this is what makes it good. This is what people like. And so we're going to stick to it. And that's what makes it funny. Just like Mr. Bean. Mr. Bean is the worst. He's like so annoying to me. But that's what makes him funny. And you know that Mr. Evil Man, Mr. Bean, would never betray his character. No. Scooby-Doo gets betrayed in this movie. Changed my mind. Scooby-Doo gets betrayed. Quote Sarah Watisha 2020. <laughs> but yeah, that's my review. That's my thoughts. We're back. We're back. Hope you liked our advertisement. Our advertisement, if you will. Mm-hmm. So... In the ad break, I was pondering the validity of animals and how close they are to human nature. And can they eat hot and cold things? We don't know. But I'm curious. We don't know. In the Scooby-Doo franchise and in this movie, if we think another animal would be better in Scooby-Doo's place. Forget the dog. That is a good question. Forget the Great Dane. I don't know if I can ever forget that Great Dane. But I feel like there's there's got to be some kind of lore as to why Scooby-Doo is able to talk uh, relatively well English. That's true. And why he's able to sometimes stand on his hind legs and why Shaggy is able to digest dog food. <laughs> well, that's um, because Shaggy's high all the time. I, I'll give you the okay. answer to that one. Yeah. I believe it. Um, I'm going to Google search. Why is Scooby-Doo human-esque? So here are some contenders for people or animals, of course, to take Scooby-Doo's place. Yogi Bear. Mm. Similar design, similar color palette, same animation company created it. Um, Does have a habit of stealing things, though. That's true. But Scooby also gets himself into trouble. But he won't... He he gets himself into accidental trouble, which I feel like is almost worse than intentional trouble. Mm -hmm. Um, and we, we haven't, of course, talked about the Yogi Bear movie yet, no. but we surely eventually we'll will. Um, it, it's a very similar vibe mm. because, I mean, it's just Hanna-Barbera cartoons, but they made yeah. them real. They really did. They boomerang and cartoons. was so popular in like the late 2000s, early the 2010s Garfield for movie? some reason. <gasps> okay. Two things. Okay. Garfield movie. Uh, Garfield was my favorite thing for most of my young life. Every username mm-hmm. I had was Garfield, and then my birthday. Um, every password I had had to do with, I mean, for like webkins, nothing serious that anyone could ever find now. But I would be logging into your webkins now. <laughs> you probably could. You could probably figure it out. Um, but everything I had was Garfield. I own all the comics because my mom owned all the comics. I read every single one. I owned Garfield magnets. I had T-shirts. I have a Garfield T-shirt in my closet, which has him in Venice, and it says Venice, and he's like a lifeguard. Hear me out. We, first of all, we watched the Garfield movie, eventually. Obviously. The live-action movie, where Garfield is a real talking mm-hmm. cat. Mm-hmm. And Garfield instead of Scooby-Doo. Thoughts? Garfield taking the place of Scooby-Doo is an interesting concept. Mm-hmm. He has the same love for food. Lasagna. Um, as Scooby-Doo does. And I feel like Shaggy and Garfield could bond over that. Definitely. Um, John Arbuckle is a cuck, <laughs> and so I think Garfield... <laughs> 
would be happy to leave that atmosphere, that home life. Um, He is very lazy, but I, again, can't tell if that's because of his environment. Like, he just doesn't have anything to do. Or if, like, that's just... I feel like if Garfield was given the option to solve mysteries, like, he might actually be into it because... He doesn't have anything to I do. I feel like Garfield, I agree. And I feel like Garfield as a mystery solving character is probably like the best comedic kid show theory. Because if we keep his air of laziness, he doesn't do anything. He eats too much lasagna and he gets tired and he lays around because he's a fat cat. I wish I was a mm-hmm. fat cat. If we keep that, I mean, he's just going to end up stumbling into solving the mystery. And everyone's going to be like, oh, Garfield. Just like every, like, like in Seinfeld, like how Kramer just like stumbles mm-hmm. into everything he does and it's somehow funny. Yeah. It's like that. Did I just boil down the entire series of Seinfeld's uh, work and effort into a comparison for Garfield? Perhaps. <laughs> I do want to raise a point though. Um, Garfield in the comics at least, mm-hmm. um, and I'm not taking the movies with Bill Murray as canon for this specific instance. In the comics, Garfield does not speak... Oh. He thinks. John Arbuckle can read his mind and read his thought bubbles. So would we have to have John Arbuckle join the mystery team as a sort of interpreter for his cat? Mm, but Whose mind he can read. But then that leads me to question, because we can all see Garfield's thoughts, right? And then mm-hmm. John is, like, interpreting them and most frequently interpreting them wrong. But then would we, would we even be able to bring Garfield into the Scooby-Doo world? Because... If John Arbuckle is reading his cat's mind, and John Arbuckle is a normal human being, the cat, Garfield cannot talk. Garfield is fed copious amounts of human food, which is horrible for him, which is why he's so fat. Other than that, he's just a normal orange tabby cat. So could we even bring him in? Because wouldn't he just be a normal cat, and we would just have a crazy, like, psychopath on our hands? He can stand on his feet, though. I know cats that can... He's got feet. And he's got opposable hands. I, so... I've met cats that have both those things that are very normal cats. Granted, I've never lived in an animated world. Here's what I think. Garfield could join the mystery mm-hmm. crew. But I think since he is an animal, he would be able to talk to Scooby-Doo. Scooby-Doo would be able to relay the messages to the rest of the gang. Wow. Okay. Or John Arbuckle could read Garfield's mind. Right. Whichever we feel like going with. Here's a good crossover for the Cartoon Network and Boomerang executives taking a listen. Garfield's world. We take John Arbuckle, Garfield, Shaggy, and Scooby, put them in a living room. We have a session. We have a smoke sesh. They get so high. And then they together communicate as one. John can read Scooby's mind. Shaggy can read Garfield's mind. Garfield and and Scooby can both now speak Bill Murray voices, both of them. (laughs) I like where you're going with this. Mm -hmm. And I think if we could turn it into an extended sitcom of just Scooby, Shaggy, John, and Garfield all living in the same house together. The same apartment. Okay. Okay. I'm with you. I'm with you. I'm with you. And they're roommates. And, of course, John goes to work every day because he's responsible. Shaggy does not because he's a stoner, but he does, you know, he goes out and helps, you know, does community service and stuff because he's, you know, he's a good person. He's He's an activist. He just doesn't have a job. He like is campaigning for the Biden team and, you know, he makes money that way. And so, you know, there's an A plot, a C plot, a B plot. 
I don't know why I said that out of order, but it's, <laughs> you know, John goes about his day, Shaggy goes about his day, and then Garfield and Scooby, mm-hmm. these two creatures from entirely different Completely. worlds, they learn how to live together. Comics it's and It's like cartoons. Secret Life of Pets. I think we have got something here, Nate Davis. I think we have got something. So, okay, then what happens when Scooby and Garfield are at home? Because Garfield and Scooby are similar, but also Garfield almost is the antithesis of Scooby in that he has no motivation, and I feel like Scooby has a lot of motivation. I think Scooby comes up with schemes. Garfield is initially reluctant, but secretly is excited to have someone who is smart enough to who keep up. Who isn't Odie? He's excited to have a dog in his because life. Because Odie is an idiot Odie's dog. Odie's stupid. Odie doesn't have any thoughts. But Garfield... Exactly. Uh, and Garfield is like, finally, a roommate I can like connect with and like do right. shit with. And so Scooby comes up with hilarious schemes because he doesn't like being stuck in the house all right. day. Garfield is like, finally, something fun to right. do. John is completely oblivious to the fact that his two... His well, his pet and his roommate's pet are doing John is schemes. Because John is the worst, and Shaggy is—he's not completely oblivious, but he's not—he doesn't try to get in their way. He's like, I mean, they're their own people; they can do whatever they want. And so, John has a normal day at the office, and then you know, it's someone's birthday. He's brought a cake. He opens the cake, and oh no, he's accidentally taking a lasagna to work. Garfield realizes this. He's like, Scooby, you have to get, help me get the lasagna back from John's work before everybody at his work eats it all. They go on a high-speed chase. Shaggy is at his, you know, he's at the beach. He's picking up trash. He's handing out masks to people. Right. Um, and Scooby and Garfield run past him, and something crazy happens. They get to the office. John is like, what, Garfield? What are you doing here? <laughs> and then they get the lasagna back. Um, and two Bill Murray's that was a terrible pitch. Two, two Bill Murray's say, "Get out of my way, you whore!" And then they shove John Arbuckle out a window. No, that's not funny. Yeah, and John Arbuckle dies in the first episode of this sitcom. <laughs> he never comes. Um, he never comes. Back. Never comes back. <laughs> we kill off John Arbuckle day one. No, I feel like John Arbuckle. Okay, if we're running with the original Seinfeld um, comparison that I mentioned, which I feel like okay. Hear me out. Seinfeld and then this completely um, disastrous narrative that we are pitching for Scooby and Garfield. I'm going to call it Scarfield's World for right now. Ooh. See what I did there? Um, Or perhaps Hell, the series. That's a better Mm -hmm. one, yeah. (laughs) It's four people living, sort of, Seinfeld, they don't live together, but for all intents and purposes, they live at Jerry's apartment. Jerry is the uh, the straight man, which I feel like is John Arbuckle, yes. just he's not funny. Or no, 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 I take it back. John is George. George is John. Because they always get, you know, screwed over. They are always the run to the, the, run to the joke. They are always, they, they can never get the promotion. They can never get the girl. Blah, 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 blah. George is John. John is George. Shaggy is Elaine in that she gets herself into situations that she doesn't necessarily intend to she has good intentions but she always seems to get herself in herself in these like sticky situations right uh scooby is obviously kramer i need needn't say anymore and garfield is jerry we frame the whole show to be an episode by episode spoof of seinfeld but but with (laughs) scooby wait 
with Scooby and Shaggy. And it's just called Garfield, but in the Seinfeld font. <laughs> That's it! Oh my god, Nate, we just made something. Okay, yes, it's literally a shot-for-shot spoof, episode-by-episode, of Seinfeld. But it's Scooby and Shaggy and, and John and Garfield. And it's called Garfield, but then you have, and you have the bass, and you have it in the font. And then in, like, season two we have animated Seinfeld characters show up. Jerry Seinfeld rolls in in his car and he's like, I'm pissed. Well, yeah, because we ripped off his entire show with Garfield characters. (laughs) But it's him as an animated character. And we make a reference to comedians in cars getting coffee. So it's funny. Elaine is there in her, in her, uh, Julia Louis-Dreyfus is there in her Veep costume. She's like, I was just on set at HBO. I am very, I'm a very successful woman who is very funny. And you know what? Your show is funny. And then she leaves. (laughs) Kramer rolls in. Wait, wait. What? So we get the actors who played the roles on Seinfeld mm-hmm. to show up on our Seinfeld parody. Yeah. Not as their characters, but as themselves yeah. animated yeah. into our yeah. show. And they just say something and then they leave. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Great. That's it. That's the bit. Yeah. So Kramer, Michael Richards. He, like, somersaults in, and he's like, I haven't had a job in 30 years! I'm a nightmare to work with! And then he somersaults away. (laughs) And then Jason Alexander, who plays George Costanza, who is a Shakespearean-trained actor, he is, like, very successful in in drama. And Seinfeld, to my understanding, was his first, like, comedic, like, big comedic gig, as far as I know, and is very outside of the realm of what he was trained to do, I guess. My dad loves Seinfeld, so these are little things I know here and there. He comes in and he says, I went to Juilliard to be played by a cock. <laughs> and that's it. And then they all get hired. I don't know. Something else happens. And then they then all they get all hired. Yeah. <laughs> that's it. Man. That's my pitch for our combined show. It's a good one. It's a good one. Um, Honestly, I love that we're talking about Garfield right now after watching Scooby. It only makes sense. Um, it makes a lot of sense um, as far as where we're going to put it on the scale. Question. What do you think since this was your pick? Okay. For the listeners, our scale currently from worst movie ever to best movie ever consists of, and I do have to write this down eventually because I am going to forget soon enough. Fateful findings at the way bottom of yeah. the list, like so far down, it's an outlier. Middle of the list, uh, because we haven't had a worse movie than it, aside from Favorite Findings, is Flubber, starring Robin Williams. Next up from that is Night at the Museum. Occupying the best spot on our list is High School Musical. That is our current worst to best movie graph or chart. Scooby-Doo from 2002... I would put it below Flubber and above Fateful Findings because I feel like I don't even need to mention Fateful Findings because I don't think we're going to faithfully find anything worse than it for a while. Um, But yeah, I would say in terms of CGI quality, in terms of likability of any of the characters, in terms of faithfulness to the source material, uh, and in terms of how much Robin Williams is in it, I'd say it's separate below Separate rating scale. How much is Robin Williams in this movie? Not at all. So. Unfortunately, dear listener. Unfortunately. I would have to agree with you. I think that it is beneath Flubber, for sure. 
Um, didn't really much enjoy it. Didn't make me want to watch any of the Scooby-Doo franchise, which is unfortunate because I think it's a horrible representation of something that I know so many people love. The CGI was terrible. Uh, poor for its time. Poor for now, but even poorer for its time because there was better stuff out there before it. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I just like didn't. Yeah, it wasn't for me. And not as bad as Fateful Findings. Fateful Findings is a mess. So, beneath Flubber, yes. above Fateful Findings for me as well. There you have it, folks. Scooby Doo. Now it's still the Halloween it season. Is. It's still the scary it season, is. which means now I get to watch a movie mm-hmm. that I haven't seen before. And boy, oh boy, that is scary. do I have a pick for you, Nate Davis. So all of my fellow theater kids, I hope we have all been to a Rocky Horror Picture Show viewing. At some point in our lives, I hope we have all dressed up as our favorite character. We've flung the toilet paper, thrown the popcorn, thrown the newspaper, screamed at the TV, watched the shadow cast do the thing. I don't know what any of these references mean. See, and that's the reason that he is going to watch Rocky Horror Picture Show! One of the best movies ever, in my opinion. It is so good. It is a cult classic. It is just, it's a movie musical. It is, oh, chef's kiss. Perfection. So good. So good. I'm very excited to see it. Yes. So stay tuned next week for me to watch uh, Rocky Horror Picture Show. Thank you for listening if you're listening. Thank you for watching if you're watching. And as always, here's to good movies and here's to bad ones. And here's to bad ones. I'm Nate. And I'm Sarah. Bye. See ya. Woo.